Good morning. It's the big kickoff, and it's the seventeenth of June. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> morning to you. Is it though, Roy, is it? It's great morning. Is it? Full of energy, <laughs> raring to go. <laughs> Roy's a bit, I don't know, he, he's getting there now. He's a bit tender. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right now. Two points, he's done. I'm getting over it. Here, <laughs> World Cup started. World Cup has started. Uh, we won't say loads because otherwise we won't get a first song in, but yeah, plenty has happened over the last few days and even the, the day or two beforehand, which obviously we're going to bring up as well. Uh, obviously with Spain, they had their Saipan. At least there's another country who's having a bit of a drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. Half decent start, couple of the kind of underdog teams look impressive, which kind of makes me think, yeah, come on, I'm going to have them all about Ireland now because yeah. if they can do it, so, so can we. But no, um, obviously Ronaldo, one of the stars has showed up. Um, Messi not yet unfortunately um, so yeah the great debate is going to continue the World Cup is Ronaldo and Messi who's better who's better it's already starting know, yeah. Ronaldo's way better and you're like oh shut up it's obviously Miroslav closer because he's got 16 exactly. goals exactly and, and yeah all that kind of shenanigans so loads has happened and then of course we have two of the Titans today as well which is Germany and then Brazil that's true that's so true. There's, there's still to come and of course we've got England tomorrow and, uh, yeah, and I've got uh, Belgium in the sweep so everything's changed for me oh you're a Belgium I've fan now Sweep, so hopefully we hammer Panama tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, well, who have we got in the show? We have got Colin Barron from. Can you tell me? Yeah, it's elite soccer, uh, yeah. European elite soccer, and they are running a coaching course yeah. in Dublin in July. And just just be interesting to hear how it differs from other coaching exactly. courses. And of course, we go into the whole coaching debacle, and even to pick his brain a little bit about coaching nowadays and stuff. Are we all? producing the same type of player over and over that's something that I'd be interested to mm. see and see what their takes and all and obviously what they have to offer themselves and then of course we've plenty of stuff going on we've uh, like I don't think we'll try our best to fit it into one slot but uh, everything that's going on with the US Open and the golf at the moment is crazy some mad stuff yesterday and even the USGA came out and apologised all sorts of stuff going on um, so plenty of fun and uh, plenty to go in between okay we're going to play a song we're back to our traditional Irish song who is it? well the, he, John Gibbons remixed this so technically it's Irish but uh, right. this is Heavy by Amory uh, with John Gibbons remix And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. If you want to text us, it's 87 7138 Of course, if you want to email us, it's the big kickoff 96.4 at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and 
The World Cup has started. Hold your thoughts. Greatest World Cup songs of all time. Oh, is that it? That's it. CBB's oh, World Cup song. <laughs> kicky, 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 kicky. Now kick, I know what kick. you're saying. Kicky, kicky, Come on, kids. World Cup. What have you made of it so far? Um, I obviously missed the opening 84 minutes because of. of this bloody work. Malarkey. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. I thought the four kick-offs a nightmare. I know, yeah. again, I get home between about quarter to six, six. So I'm literally getting to see the final whistle. So, of course, I got to see... I still got to see two goals. Uh, right. Live, obviously, Russia and Saudi Arabia. And, of course, a good 5-0 win. Uh, Putin looked happy. And uh, Infantino in between the two of them. I wonder why. I wonder yeah. why he's between the king of Saudi Arabia. And, uh, yeah. Probably, I'd say he couldn't get up because his pockets were so heavy with money. <laughs> Allegedly. Because <laughs> it's paid well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, by all accounts, and of course, Robbie flipping the finger, and of course, Fox News having to apologise because they haven't a clue what was, or not Fox News, Fox Sports, because they didn't know what to do. Um, but by all accounts, it was a decent uh, ceremony, and uh, yeah, fair play. The hosts are in, the hosts are alive, and it gave it a good start. Um, and then, of course, it was all about waiting for Portugal Spar- Spar- and, and Spain. Portugal and Spain that night, a great game. Well, because... You're missing. <clears throat> you're missing the other two games. Yeah, of course. Again, yeah. because of yeah. because of yeah, work and all that sort of stuff. So you're we missing the, the other two on games for the first half of Egypt and Paraguay during lunch. Yeah, or Egypt and Uruguay, and yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. great at all. No. Um, and what then, is the story with Mo Salah? Well, apparently uh, he's fit, but they didn't want to risk him for that game. Maybe they're thinking, listen, we write off Uruguay and we fancy our chances in the other two, which is Russia. And uh, Saudi Arabia. So maybe that's what they're doing. But then again, I seen a clip from yesterday, and two of his teammates are helping him put the bib on. Yeah. So is it, are they like is it all small I mirrors? Th- I think if he was able, to, I thought he was going to be on the bench. Oh, and at least to try and nick a draw or something. And I thought, right, they're not starting him because he hasn't played in a while, and yeah. he, he mightn't be up to the speed of it. But the game slows down after people get tired and whatever. Yeah. They might get into the last half hour yeah. and, and see. But the fact that he didn't come on at all kind of sounds out to me that yeah. he's not right and he's probably not going to be right. Yeah, they're basically saying he's fit for the next game. Simple as that. But mm-hmm. as I said, if you check on any of the uh, internet, any of the t- uh, outlets, they're all um, there's a little clip of him getting help putting his bib on, and it's not like Mario Balotelli who literally just does not know how to put on a bib. This is literally he's struggling to get his arm straight. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting, and, and he is one of the stars. Even though Egypt aren't going to be potentially in the last couple of rounds of it he's still one of the stars of the show obviously from what he's done this year so it'd be nice to see him there but at the same time I want to see him there fully fit it'd be you'd hate to see him come on and not really do anything because he's he's still not quite right or one good tackle one good shoulder and all of a sudden he's he's gone he's gone yeah, um, yeah but at the same time if you're Egypt you have to try and get him on because he's probably the only one who could do you have to but if you're playing yeah. against them what are you going to do you're going to give him oh, a shoulder straight, straight away of course straight in so, um, so it'll be interesting to see and hopefully he ha- he has some semblance of his uh, fitness for for the rest of the year but uh, yeah Portugal Spain cracker absolute cracker um, and of course Ronaldo one of the stars of the, the movie that is World Cup 2018 he's showed up already he showed up he scored a penalty he scored a scuff and a free kick he must have had the and didn't do a whole lot 
other than that now, he, he must have been good coast for David De Gea. De Gea, yeah. yeah. It's, it'll come out in a couple of weeks when he's on holiday in America. <laughs> uh, yeah, just one of those mistakes that he doesn't Actually, normally it just, do. It just proves so, that it happens to everybody. Yeah. It's easy to, to lash carry us out of it, but it's, it's amazing how... Uh, all the different TV uh, punditries are oh you know it happens it happens it happens but when Carrius does it it's the worst thing of all time he'll never play for Liverpool again he's a disgrace mm-hmm. but with the gay but it just goes to show you it's it, it, this is unfortunately the, 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 the price you have to pay playing, playing a goal you make that mistake more than likely you cause a goal um, and it gave Portugal a lifeline and then of course the free kick was the free kick to be honest even as he was putting it down I said he's going to bury this yeah, well, it was, it was set up for it, wasn't it? it, it, it it's almost like it was scripted. It was yeah. brilliant. And credit to Diego Costa, a couple of nice goals. It was a great finish. Did you think it was a foul on Pepe? Didn't, I, th- I think Pepe did himself no favours rolling around the way. Yeah, if Pepe had it just maybe just dropped normal, I'd say he probably would have, but it was over dramatic. Yeah. And he was up in seconds chasing them down. Um, they're usually given. Yeah. They're usually given as a free. That's why I'm surprised. And they had a little look at VAR apparently. So I'm a little surprised it wasn't, but I wouldn't have anything against Costa. He was just doing the usual arms up. He wasn't striking him or anything like that. No, just battling for exactly. it. Exactly. So I'm not. I'm but it was happy, a great finish. But left, right, left, yeah. right, and then bang, James yeah. great. And then a good uh, non-Spanish goal uh, cross into the back post. Busquets knocked it across and. Costa tapped in it and then Nacho what a strike unbelievable strike from yeah. every angle but especially the one behind him when it's going about a foot or two wide yeah. it just keeps curling in a cracker absolutely but a great game of ball with two good teams but Spain in little pockets looked really dangerous I was, I was quite impressed and it, um, it just sparked it though didn't it, yeah, it the whole World Cup so. that was literally the beginning of it um, but going back on Spain hopefully it looks like it mightn't affected them too much the, the drama their side pan as we said earlier on about Lopetegui being sacked was it two days previously two days previously see they, if if they do really well they're going to say it's because they got rid of him and if they, they do, don't do well they're going to say because they got rid of him yeah. so no matter what it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in there still somewhere yeah. at, at the end of it all but it can't really do them any favours now they've got a lot of experienced players yeah. so as long as the, the structure of the team and everything nothing's really and changed too Yero, much he's not going to upset the apple cart he's going to continue it as, as it was. he wanted yeah, yeah, go yeah. With this. he's not going to go well I really like this player I'm going to put him in he kind of apparently he's just moving it on as, as I always had but I mean he, he made an arse of it he made an arse of it or Real Madrid made an arse of it but oh, whoever it was shocking. probably Real Madrid thrown it out there but I mean, to be, to manage your country at a World Cup must be one of the the, the highlights yeah. of your career. He could be sacked within months like, at Real Madrid, and it's not even worth it then. You know, you're trying to read between the lines. I don't think the Spanish FA would invite, personally, I don't think they'd invite this type of crap unless there was some truth in the fact that they only found out a couple of minutes beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And especially... I know Spanish FA are the bosses, but everyone knows that Real Madrid have probably the biggest muscle in Spain, Spanish football. But I don't think they do this and jeopardise their World Cup uh, chances. Yeah. Unless there's so I'd side with the fact that it was very much last minute and very much this, that, and the other. So I'm a bit like a lot of people, and a lot of Spanish people are kind of quite happy to see them standing up to them and saying, "No, not yeah. good enough." Yeah. You know, apparently they were told five minutes before it was released. And do you think, um, do you think the Catalonians? Oh, they're, Enjoyed they're it. Delighted. I'd say they're delighted. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, it was it was a weird one. And I, I was at a trade show that day, so I'd seen nothing. Yeah. And then somebody put up a picture of Sam Allardyce with a kind of Spanish brand and a Spain yeah, I was like, yeah, what's this about? What's this? And then I start looking at the news and I'm like, ah, now I get it. 
I had no idea. And then I looked into it. I was like, this is nuts. Yeah, this it, is well, nuts. it's mental, mental. But there you go. That's that's the beauty of the World Cup. We said we had the Roy Keane saga. There's always something going on. France in 2010 had their member Evra. And oh, Evra, yeah. But I watched a documentary on that like, and they hadn't a clue that the TV crowds were there. Hadn't a clue, and apparently they were mortified. Then they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have done anything. They like they all thought they were perfectly in the comforts of their own little training ground, right. and they were disgusted then that they were going to be made out to be fools. But it's not. It's just that they got caught they acting got caught. a child. Yeah. But uh, a little side note, just a very little side note before we go back to the World Cup. Um, Gareth Bale apparently is going to be getting a lifeline now because Lopetegui can speak English. Ah, right. Yeah. Apparently yeah. Bale has little or nothing. Yeah, and in the four or five years he's there, like he's done little or nothing to try and change that. And did. Do you think that's part of the whole... Well, apparently Zidane doesn't speak much English, or maybe he's one of these, he can speak English, but refuses that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, that was one of them. And another one of the rumours from a couple of weeks ago when he left was, he. I think he wants to get rid of him, but Real Madrid are like, no, he's still one of our superstars, we need him. And, you know, the usual, we still run this club no matter who's the manager. Lopetegui, though, has a Is couple of things... puppet? Well, a couple of things came back. In the, in the press from previous quotes that you had one was that Messi was the best player in the world <laughs> now he's come back and he's changed that now and yeah Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's the greatest of all time best, yeah. and uh, that Gareth Bale uh, he wouldn't have him in the side and all of a sudden now he's saying different oh so, yes he will son when we're paying you X million a week a month or year see this is what I'm saying so he, he had the run of the Spanish team and now he's going to go to Madrid I just think Madrid is not is is not a good job to be at if you want to, if you're a football Can manager and get the sack yeah so it, it makes like there's or win the league and Zidane, the Champions League and get the sack yeah and Zidane won it three years in a row and still there's pressure on him because he yeah. hasn't you know so now he did the right thing and he was he's able to say he left yeah. but I'd say it was a record sign there was, there was no going anywhere and I don't think they would have sacked him but I'd say deep down they'd love to but mm-hmm. he's just too big a name plus the sons are there that's true he's a couple of sons playing and That's some true. of them could be breaking into the team it could be one of them Jesus they're not upset he might take them with them or yeah, whatever I yeah, don't know yeah. but will he will he take another gig Zidane or is he one of them that I've done it now I'm happy I maybe the French job maybe for a flicker in my mind during the week when <laughs> the Spanish manager was gone I thought oh God he might go and take that role <laughs> on a part time but uh, yeah I think he, I think he'll take another job again but it'll have to be the right one for him yeah. you could see him like in, in a Paris Saint Germain Paris Saint Germain yeah you know, but he's not gonna he's not gonna end up in Burnley or anything, so <laughs> you know sure who's gonna replace Sean Dyche no one that, that's, no. A, that's a poison chalice if he <laughs> yeah. ever goes no way uh, now then, now then. <laughs> Me Tommy Cooper impressions coming back. I play for Burnley. Not like that, just like that. Uh, um, hold France, on. what? <laughs> kick, 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 kick. Yeah, keep it going. <laughs> but, um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and I presume as everyone knackered I was there bum sore from sitting on the couch for 11 hours yesterday when the first game started at 11 and finished at 10 o'clock last night obviously it kicked off with France and Australia I was very much looking forward to it because I wanted to see what's the story with France are they decent yes they are decent and they've got some great players but um, as they were talking about it on the BBC one um, they're cutting two minds about what to do up front yeah um, fitting in the young stars Dembele and Mbappe Mbappe looks dangerous constantly looks lively looks up for it but Griezmann was lost a little bit because everything was kind of a bit more focused on them and you know it was a bit strange but apparently Griezmann and Giroud are a great partnership together and it's one of them where he's close by him yeah. Giroud is a decent player anyway he plays awesome 
Um, so it's interesting to see is that where it could be their downfall what are they going to do and with Pogba included in there as well Pogba was a bit anonymous yesterday he wasn't up to it now they were giving out a bit yesterday going right Australia aren't going to be all out attack is there a need for Taliso and Kante like two of them sitting there yeah. maybe free up and put in Matuidi who's a bit more uh, attack minded and just leave Kante there or Taliso whichever one and it was probably true but in fairness uh, credit where credit is due as I mentioned earlier on about Australia like they gave themselves a chance simple as that they were always going to be up against it. More than likely, more often than not, they're not going to win. But yeah. at the end of the day, they gave themselves a chance. And I was very impressed how they played. Yeah. Played a lot of ball. Played from the back. Your man Aaron Moy from um, Huddersfield was a great link up with them. And when they could, they did it. And good quick passing. As soon as the guy was free, they gave to him. No messing. He took a touch and laid it on to the next guy. Sometimes it wasn't on. They went back and started again. Now, it worked because France aren't the most hassle hassle type of team only Kante seems to really do it so it was a great team to do it against so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the other two games but they gave themselves a chance and created a few things instead of hoping for luck and it just kind of shows you it can be done at that level because I'd like to think that's our level and that's potentially who we are as good as or maybe slightly better so it's crap that we uh, that we can only play one way so it's just interesting now I know it's just to pull my heart back to early but it just goes to show you can be done and they're there and they're competing yeah. and they gave themselves a shot but anyway, credit to them and they were a bit unlucky the VAR I'm not sure whether it was a penalty Which it looked uh, the, the Griezmann one okay. uh, it basically he got a, a very very faint touch on the ball and as he's kind of slightly coming from the side flash behind him and he does collide with him it does clash with his back foot um, so I suppose when you look at VAR maybe they're a bit like TV once they see contact it's a penalty it's one of them where you're like the contact was always going to happen but at the same time it's a bit harsh because he got the ball ever so faint and it kind of caused Griezmann's heavy touch and then he went over but at the same time whatever and then Pogba got a well it was an OG basically he went over the line it's a definite penalty I'm just looking at it now uh, you, you, it's, you can see it's, it. the, it's the trailing leg yeah, of course that it is. catches the, I think it's, the back I think why some people especially the pros were thinking it was a bit harsh because it looked like he got the ball first but the more you look at it from the different angles it's ever so faint like well, he, the ball barely moves, but he does. Get oh it. yeah, but he still he still takes but him he down. Him. So it's one of them where you go, fair enough. He gave it everything to try and block it. What can you do? Yeah. But um, Griezmann buried it, and then the second goal was just a drug. Uh, Pogba went to take a touch and it deflected off. And what about Australia's? Oh, blatant penalty! It what? was it was what real. Was he what he doing? It, 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 like Maradona would have laughed at him. It's yeah. like it wasn't his hand wasn't even and close the, to his the, head. The, the, the fact is that it wasn't even like a certain goal, and it looked intentional. So. There should only be one thing. Yeah. So they, he managed to survive. He they, managed to stay in the pitch. They probably got away with it. So VAR, I think, is getting most of them right at the minute, yeah. uh, personally. And it's not causing too many... And uh, yesterday, again, with Peru, yeah. it was a, a definite penalty. Yeah. And they came back to it and, and gave it. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 and it didn't take that long either, in fairness. so no, Apparently, the average is around a minute. Yeah. And it's not causing too much problems. Very funny yesterday, BBC were talking about it. And it was going to Phil Neville's opinion. And bam, feed gone feed gone and nothing and then it just goes to an ad like uh, like obviously they don't do ads but it goes to ads about program and that was it their work of coverage over and everyone's like oh typical somebody doesn't like Phil Neville because <laughs> he doesn't like it apparently um, but that's just kick 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 so yeah it's just typical um, <laughs> Phil Neville there uh, yeah doesn't like it oh, don't like uh, breaking from tradition you know he's probably one of them Chips and gravy. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just quickly go on to Argentina. How? Oh. What do you think? How do you think they looked? And I, I, I said it yesterday. A little bit like Portugal, right? Um, 
it's nothing to do with Messi or Ronaldo it's to do with the players some of them are like play a normal game stop looking where he is yeah uh, Cedric in the second half it was blatantly obvious Ronaldo was out near him he won the ball gave it to him he was he was by the winger he was yeah. by the fullback touch cross he stuttered for a second because he's like well I go back and give it to him yeah and then he fluffed across and it's like typical and it was the same yesterday once or twice where's Messi where's Messi and Messi was trying to sit in the middle in this little pocket near the end of the game and there was about six or seven Icelanders or that's when you kind of go right lads let's be clever we've got Dybala we've got yeah. where are they yeah and then Messi can follow in on the second pass but they were still looking a little bit where's Messi and I was kind of like it's not happening but that's my opinion of if you have a superstar player who's getting doubled and trebled up you should be thinking happy days let's free up the rest of the team and it doesn't look like they ever work on that and is it because they have to feed these players egos or something no I don't I'm not it's, it's sure it's just a bit strange yeah it is if this Sampaoli lad is a good coach where is this right lads he's being doubled and trebled up let's ignore him you sit in your pockets and feed off the scraps and let's play the, the men who are free because they have to be there were so many in the middle of that with about 20 minutes to go there was yeah. seven or eight Icelanders right in the middle of that pocket from their, from their goal to about 20 yards out and Messi was right in the middle of it and uh, they kept trying to look for him but a great draw for Iceland well what was the stat somebody put up because uh, everyone's going on about the Ronaldo-Messi debate again because obviously uh, one showed up and one hasn't just yet and of course Messi missing the penalty but uh, somebody put up a stat um, 2016 Euros Iceland won Portugal won uh, Ronaldo 10 shots no goals uh, Iceland won Argentina won Messi 11 shots uh, no goals yeah uh, so 21 shots better, yeah. so Iceland are the better player yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's really like yeah there you go so I put up yeah they're both rubbish you know and it just goes to show you what um, it's the Leicester mentality kind of thing what, um, when 1 to 11 are singing off the same hymn sheet in the right positions playing to their strengths what they can do mm. and they gave themselves a chance yesterday as well it wasn't like they hung on they had a few chances themselves. It wasn't like they were, they, they flew to one all draw and ran away. Like, yeah, the penalty could have made the difference to 2-1 and walked away, but Iceland gave themselves a shot yeah. against a team who were better than them. And it just goes to show you what can be done. Yeah. Right, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back with more after this. And welcome back to the that big kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly got cut Lifted out there. Lifted away here, waffling about God knows what. Oh, shit. It's finished. Um, 87 0627138 if you want to text us. Again, the big kickoff, 96.4 at gmail.com and all the other social media. Yesterday, England were playing... Yeah, we'll go with England because they lost, so we like talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't have said that more right. Then South Africa... I didn't really get to see it. You, I didn't really see this game. Okay, but by all accounts, typical England had a very good start and had the lead. And I think it was. Have you got the result there, Handy? I can't see it here. Hold on. No, oh, 23-12. And as far as I know, I think England were twelve nil up again. I think like last week, but obviously not as many points. And um, yeah, it just it just went all wrong again for them. Uh, It's their sixth defeat in a row, I think. If yeah. I'm right in saying. Um, so Eddie Jones is under a bit of pressure. We'll have a clip of him in a minute. But there's a bit of talk about Ben Youngs. And he, he got a bit of stick, but I'll defend him after this. But this is his post-match interview. Uh, please do not blink and listen carefully because it's not for long. 
doesn't it? Yeah, look, we're really disappointed. Uh, we lost the series. We're gutted about that. So we'll work hard this week and we'll look forward to getting it right next week. Cheers. Well, that was short, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, in fairness to him, if you look at the clip, he's he's not looking at with disgust. He's not real super angry. It's I think it's just like I'm not in the humour yet. We've lost again. It's so pride. I don't. Why do Why do I want to talk? She didn't say it until all she said was it's deja vu, and that's and he didn't look like I'll show you. Like yeah. it was just I'm gone. I'm not in the humour. But in fairness, he met her afterwards and the media scrum pardon the pun and he just laughed at her and went jeez I'm really sorry you know uh, the heat of the moment and let's give it another go and she was grand and they had their interview and he said sorry to her but of course typical your but must keyboard be- warriors oh, childish Ben Young yeah. and, and, uh, listen you just lost the game and there's a microphone in your face and yeah. Like, yeah great it's, it's, it, it's obviously though there's a little bit of pressure creeping in now uh, and, and that's you're dead right that's you can see it now and you know? it's just that little thing of you know, are we I, as good as we thought are we were? We, we're kind of getting sick of losing here and you know is it doubts coming into mind like what you remember is was it two about two years in the trot they went unbeaten like they yeah. went on a serious unbeaten run and they were playing real couldn't do anything wrong and good and honest arrogant winning rugby where there, there was a fear factor about England again and now it's kind of gone a bit and it's and it's bothering them yeah. and people are poking and poking and poking and uh, I think you have the clip here this oh, yeah. is a well, interview on Eddie Jones we only listened to this this morning yeah, it's it's like, right, listen all I'm going to say beforehand is Martin O'Neill grow up Tony O'Donoghue is a gentleman because this fella <laughs> really goes for it here we go a blip or is it more serious Eddie I mean how concerned should England fans be after five straight defeats oh, I think very concerned but but unfortunately we've got to go through this to, to go to another level and we'll get through this and we'll go to another level but how are you going to turn it around uh, through hard work, through good thought, through good planning, we'll turn it around. So is hard work the key? It's not the personnel, it's not the coaching? Uh, well, I can't change the personnel, mate. I can only select who I can select. As you know, we've got 25 players that sitting at home that aren't available for selection. So um, these are the best players we've got and, and I'm happy to work with these players. I think our coaching staff's doing a great job. You've also got a very large player pool, Eddie, bigger than any other team in, in world rugby. So I'm not sure if other countries would take the unavailability as an excuse. I'm not using it as an excuse. I said there's 25 players unavailable and I'm working with the players that we've got and I'm happy to work with these players. Did you use your bench when you wanted to use your bench? You uh, didn't use the, some of them until the last 10 minutes? Uh, again, I think I used the bench how, how we should use it. And Billy Vinopola, was that an injury replacement? Uh, yeah, he had an injury. A serious one? Ah, oh, we're not sure yet. Okay. Um, and for you personally, Eddie, it's the first time on, with this England team that you've been under this kind of pressure. How confident you can turn it around come the autumn? Oh, 100% confident. <laughs> there you go. You can't really use availability as an excuse when he's the biggest pool. Of the, uh, uh, he was shutting them down, wasn't he? Yeah, saying Eddie, because uh, he always seems like a fiery person. Yeah. He, he kind of just had that little smile, that little devilish look at him as if to say, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he, kind he, of thing, but... He, he swatted it away quite well. I, th- I mean, I th- he's probably getting used to that now. Anyhow, that that kind of thing. But that was really that, that was a full media, on. Like I don't. Th- I think people tolerate him because they were winning so much. But I don't think they were ever really massive fans of him. Yeah. And now that they're losing, it, it's their chance to have a little poke at him. Yeah. And obviously they're doing it. And that female supporter, or female reporter who was interviewing Ben Young, she was pretty close to some of them questions as well. And he kind of gives her a bit of a stare as it say what are you on about and he, and he goes yeah and he said something like yeah because I'm a good coach and he, he said it again a second time I'd say what are you getting at yeah. he looked a bit spikier now I'm not saying because she was female but she would have been doing the questions right after the game so a bit Martin O'Neillish or something but yeah it's 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 
I'm not as big as fan, so it's nice to see him sweat a little bit because yeah. he can be cocky, but it's like, listen, you can dish it, now you have to take it. Well, for them, and it looks like he for can them take two it. years, he, he was, you know, ah. invincible yeah. and, you know, greatest coach ever and what have you. So you do have to ride the, the, yeah. the rough with the smooth. And it looks like he is. And do you know what? There's, there's every reason why the, he's got every chance to turn it back around again because they are a bloody good side. Yeah. And it, it's a bit of a habit now. One win and all of a sudden things turn around again. It, that's that's the beauty of sports stupid things like that happen like a good side like that losing five in a row doesn't happen that often and all of a sudden one good win against a crap team or something in their first autumn international all of a sudden they win every everyone in the autumn and all of a sudden they're the favourites again that's that's ju- just as likely as as them losing the next one that's exactly how it can be Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be overly concerned they're going to be back next year just as strong but it's just it's just nice watching them sweat a little bit uh, but I, it's always tough going down down the southern hemisphere. Like it's not that easy. No, it's like Ireland. Though. Are they a better side in Australia? Yes, but they're down south. It's this is the balancing act. Yeah, you know it's the same when they come up now in the autumn. Like the southern or the northern hemisphere have the advantage. So you know that's why Ireland are giving a bloody good go, and it's one all if we jump to Ireland now instead. Cool. Shoot uh, then. Twenty six, twenty one. Um, fairly much in control. Like they had a shocking start. Uh, Courtney Beale went over after two minutes, but uh, yeah, a little bit stronger fifteen. Yeah. Um, a little bit more close to their starting 15 and and showed um, obviously got a couple of tries Sexton was in good form um, it was a decent performance like as I said it was a bit 50-50 it was, it was on in the back I had it on the tablet kind of just to my right hand side and I had the France and Australia on the other one uh, good, good crowd actually it was a full house considering the Aussies Aussies love all their sports so um, I wasn't sure whether it would be a full house in the home game would they be watching it well it would have certainly encouraged them to win the week beforehand to yeah. come out so but uh, no, it was a good game of rugby, but Ireland looked fairly in control until uh, the intentional knock-on by Jack McGrath. It was so funny. If you look at it in super slow-mo, you could just see his little face with his, with his Ronnie on him, <laughs> and the ball's just there, and he just sticks his hand out and just gives it a little push. And it was like, they won't see me. It's like, well, somebody did, mate. So he got a uh, sin bend, and that got Australia back in. They got a try. Now, thankfully, it was only about two minutes to go, but uh, Ireland did enough. They were fairly controlled. They were quite good, quite solid, um, and looked threatening for tries compared to last week um, and some of their tackling was brilliant now as Michael Checker called it a king hit by Keane Healy on Will Genia um, strong hit took him out of the game and he's one of their important playmakers so good solid but it's, it's nice for Ireland to be the, the strong busting yeah. type for a change yeah. and it's one of them hits that the Aussies would be proud of and they'd say it was a nothing hit it was a strong hit get over it yeah. so you know take your medicine you know Um so all around great one and it leaves it for a great decider next week yeah um, that'll be a tough that'll be a tough tough slog um, it's just I think if you look at world rugby now I think Ireland are obviously up there I mean they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're one of the best teams in the world now but everyone's still just lagging behind New Zealand and when, yeah. when you look at the New Zealand players they are just athletes aren't they yeah and it's hard to explain like I've watched one or two documentaries and stuff but it, I think it's an attitude as well that they it's just unparalleled mm. um, they it's their life over there it's they live and breathe it's a bit rugby. like Kenny and Hurling exactly it? it's one of them things that no matter what when that superstar is gone don't worry there's another one and they just slot in and do the same thing it, that train just doesn't stop like Ireland there was a little bit of a lull when we lose our Gordon Darcy's and our Brian O'Driscoll's yeah, and our Garris yeah. we miss them when they go and we'll miss Sexton as much as we have Carberry and a few we'll miss them well Grant Fox and John Alomu and all these superstars they're gone who cares yeah. now we've got the, the, the Barrett brothers the three of them and whoever else is there you know they're just phenomenal and uh, 
it's a constant event, but it's the attitude. They just love it. And they have no idea what defeat is. They yeah. very, very rarely do. And when they do, they probably just write it off almost immediately. Oh, who cares? Well, we've got one full year and a little bit to uh, <laughs> get ourselves right and ready for the World Cup. Which It'd be is, great to get to a semi-final. It's go where we've never gone before. That's the ultimate. Whatever about it. winning it. If we can get that's to a semi, it. it's a job well yeah. done. Yeah, it is. In um, and... We're but, getting there still because we still have a lot of young. It's not one of these. Remember, we kind of half alluded to it. Oh, yeah. Are we doing the usual peak in mid mid World Cup? I wouldn't say necessarily this time because there's five or six lads who are literally it's their first season. Obviously, we all know famously James, James Ryan's only lost one game in his professional career. Like, there's a few of them like that, and your Larmers and Gary Ringrose and all that. They, Another year, they're going to be even better. So and they're, and they're used to winning, which is a exactly. good thing, isn't it? So I wouldn't say it's it's quite that. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And then uh, just a quick note, because it was on during the middle of the night, um, great shock. The US defeated um, Scotland 30-29 in Houston. Oh, very so good. So a bit of a shock, yeah. 30-29. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's a great win. Great win for the US. Because Scotland, Scotland have been performing. So. Exactly. And uh, they're definitely on the rise. So that, that'll definitely uh, sting them a little bit, like um, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think all the other results, Wales done enough against Argentina. Italy turned it back and they won by five points against uh, Italy. And then, of course... Italy uh, be Italy? Oh, Italy. Uh, Japan, Jesus. Japan, okay. And, uh, of course, New Zealand bet. Not, as, not by as much, considering they had a red card at about 15 minutes into the game. It was early. France were down to 14 men from... Right. I think it was like 24. So it, was, it wasn't as strong as last week. But, uh, yeah, New Zealand doing what they do best. You know, so that's the Southern Hemisphere uh, events this week. Okay. Talk to you after this. Welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Town 96.4. I get F- to say it now. Um, what? Shinnecock. <laughs> what? Shinnecock Hills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and made you think there for a second. Yeah, Shinnecock Hills. Oh, okay. So okay. much I had to say it again. But yes, Shinnecock Hills in Long Island, New York, home of uh, this week's US Open, which is... Um, for right and wrong reasons, uh, hitting the headlines uh, yesterday, it was that bad, the course apparently, uh, that the USGA even came out and apologised because some of the pin placements were just crazy golf Ridiculous. stuff. Um, but Phil Mickelson, it's all about Phil Mickelson. Basically, I can't remember the exact hole because I came in, it was a bit like Ronaldo, is he or isn't he playing in the 1998 World Cup because Sky Sport, it was literally happening as they weren't seeing it. But basically, there's a lot of roll-offs on the greens yeah. and it doesn't just roll off, it rolls off 20, 30, 40 and sometimes it goes back into the, the huge rough or into water or whatever and he hit this putt and obviously he hit it a bit strong and he knew it was going to go down the fall off. Did you hear something there? It's the, like a wind or something, was it? Yeah, it was the wind. It's the ghost of Liffey sounds. <laughs> um, and he knew it and he started jogging towards it and he hit it on the run knowing that Ah, it's a two-stroke penalty, but I'd rather that than let it go down yeah. here. So that's what he did, put it up close and finished it. Now, Phil, um, Sky Sports weren't sure at the time what happened. They thought he withdrew. They thought he was gone. Then he, they seen him back on the course with Andrew Beef Johnson, and they thought, oh, maybe staying on to be his marker. Yeah. And then it turns out, oh, no, he got a two-shot sh- penalty, and he shot a 10 on the hole, and he's still in the game. Now, between him and 
Beef Johnson, uh, Mickelson's third last, and now Beef is last. Yeah. So they're kind of going, geez, the effect Beef Johnson as well, like because it was, I think it's the thirteenth hole or whatever. Well, it was. I, I had seen the groupings out on the first day, mm. and I was looking at the likes of uh, McElroy mm. and whoever he was out with. And McElroy was <clears throat> obviously he shot a ten over par, but the, the group that he was with were all seven and eights as well yeah, him, uh, and then Spieth and I think Mickelson was one of them yeah, well, I think. and then there was there was other groups who were out and they were one over par and uh, they were all very f- similar yeah. scoring so I think it does probably affect you because if you think a course is unfair you're probably going to start talking about mm. it and, and oh, it they would have definitely talked about they'd it they'd be talking about it and so it change your attitude you know? and if he was withdrawn not withdrawn and all this kind of crack that would have bothered Beef going what's going on and yeah. then, am I going to get a guy to come out with me because apparently I've seen it once or twice say it's an uneven amount that um, make the cut they throw uh, a local pro to, to play with you so you could take your break in between shots like a normal player would and all that kind of mm. crack so yeah they weren't sure at all and then once they realised what happened it's another typical 50-50 oh I think he was very clever taking the two shot penalty he knew what he was doing and others are going no completely distracts the game slap in the face so what's the, golf. what's the clip you have here so the clip is basically Curtis Strange uh, ex-pro and Ryder Cup captain and major winner himself um he asked some. He asked some good pressing questions, and Phil swats them away as well. But uh, it's just listen. It's just his taking it. It's not long after. There's a massive media scrum waiting for him afterwards. But Curtis Strange gets the exclusives. So this is just a bit of sound bites from uh, him talking about him blowing him at the 2018 US Open. Let's go down to Curtis Strange. Phil, it's a simple question. What happened over 13? Uh, look, I, I don't mean I don't mean disrespect by anybody. I know it's a two shot penalty, and uh, at that time I just didn't feel like going back and forth and hitting the same shot over. I took the two-shot penalty, moved on. It's um, it's uh, my understanding of the rules. I, I've had multiple times where uh, I've wanted to do that. I just finally did. Did you think the ball was going to roll off the green when oh, you hit it? No question. It was going to go down into the same spot behind the bunker. It wasn't going to have a shot. And I don't know if, if I would have been able to save a shot or whatnot, but I know it's a two-shot penalty hitting a moving ball. I tried to hit as close to the hole as I could to make the next one. And, um, uh, you know, you take the two shots, you move on. Does it show disrespect to the championship? It's certainly not meant that way. It's meant to, uh, you know, take advantage of the rules as best uh, as best as you can. And uh, in that situation, it was just going. I was just going back and forth, and uh, I would I'd gladly take the two shots over uh, continuing that uh, that display. You're really admired around this golfing world, especially here at the U.S. Open. What do you say to those people that? love you so much follow you do you regret what you've done i've had an awesome day the people here have been incredible it's been uh you know singing happy birthdays wishing happy birthdays the people here have made coming here over the decades an awesome experience and i i had uh you know it's it's a fun it's a fun birthday i don't mean it in any disrespect and if that's the way people took it uh, i apologize to them but that's not the way it was taken i took the two-shot penalty moved on and and uh, there's not much more to say thank you phil Back to you, Joe. All right, thank you. There you have it. Um, you knew the rules. Was, basically, was Curtis Strange trying to stretch out some sort of dramatic thing that's after happening and, and, and blow it out of all proportion? Because it's, it it, it's not, it's no, not but you that know big golf, a deal. I haven't no. looking to apologise no, to you people. you know the golf game, right? Golf game, etiquette. Oh, I do understand huge. that. But basically what it was, this doesn't happen a lot. And it's very much like you've hit a bad shot, take your medicine. He's seen a little loop in the rule and did it now a ref came out he was on Bowden Hammer or something was his surname and even the way he worded it just sounded wrong 
he's covered under the 1.4 rule as in he just hit a moving ball but the 1.2 rule is you can't apparently if you kind of deflect a shot back towards the hole because people were saying it's in between which one is it in between yeah and he was like no he's covered all he kept saying was he's covered in other words no he's okay we shouldn't have disqualified because some people are going I think he should have been disqualified because of this rule or whatever it was but yeah it, it just didn't sit right the way the ref kept saying no he's covered he's covered we, he, he's covered right. and he just said it too many times to go alright fair enough so basically what the referee was saying I, I don't kind of agree with it he's probably done yeah. It's something wrong here, yeah. but we can't get. Yeah, basically, it's this usual the rights and wrongs of game. It's a rule. He seen it an angle, and as he could have easily sh- still shot a ten, he could have easily shot a twelve after it because apparently the, the the roll off and behind the bunker, he wouldn't have had a shot. And as he said, the back and forth. Why not? Yeah. He hit it back. Take me medicine and move on. I'm already gone anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. But you know golfers and sports people now are so normal and well media trained there's little or no controversy really in sport anymore so something like this great we've got something to talk about it's a bit of controversy even though is it really all that much Yeah. I don't think he Phil Mickens is a top guy he's a very good and I've seen him kind of when I was down at Kilkenny for the AMX World Championships a good, good few years ago he's great with the kids yeah. he's brilliant with everyone apparently he's a top pro good guy all around he has no intention of doing slapping golf in the face or disrespecting people he's in his own little world at that stage going do you know what I'm going to take the two shot hit here and move on hmm. if there's a media scrum like he, in fairness he took it quite well and he just walked off and went on again like so you or I it's not a big deal but for some people especially it, it's a chance like Harmon thought, Butch Harmon thought he should have been disqualified right. which is a bit strange because he's his ex-coach and I, yeah, I'd yeah. like to think they wouldn't be real Enemies, are, and I don't think there is, but he thought yeah, he should have disqualified. Maybe Bush Harmon just thinks that that's what should happen to everyone. Yeah. It's, you know. And you know yourself, golf, they, they, it's a big thing on etiquette, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's one of them, you've hit a bad shot, you should take your medicine. Don't. Some people might see in, yeah, you're covering the rules, but you're kind of cheating a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So that's why some might look at it. The course. Oh. I, I, I'm, I look at the, I look, I seen uh, the first couple of days of the golf. I just don't get what value the course and it's always the US Open what value they get out of trying to make professionals look stupid because it's, it is it is virgin and you've mentioned it already crazy golf where it's not really golf see it's, the US Open is renowned for being the hardest test as in narrow fairways but high rough there's difference between but hard they're and on the unfair. line now and potentially gone off it now I have a little clip here it's not going to be the full three minutes but Zach Johnson basically saying the USGA GA has lost the course because they okay. were there 14 years ago and it was hard and now they've gone to the next level um, Shane Lowry said they were the worst greens he's ever played um, it, it, like whatever about the first two days people played well and they shot under par so they were able to hide behind that but yesterday two guys that are leading should not be on they shouldn't be leading they shot a 66 but it was in great conditions first thing in the morning mm. and now they're joint leaders yeah. on plus three like um, Johnson basically all the top guys shot one plus two three four five six seven over these guys got out with the perfect conditions shot four under but they can hide behind them as well but it was night and day the difference between the morning and the afternoon but now they're smack bang in the middle of the tournament but anyway here's Zach Johnson criticising the condition of Shinnecock Guild an ex-US Open champion himself win now really picking up Zach Johnson 72 uh, for you today where is the golf course right now in terms of fairness versus playability are we on the edge uh, no, we're not on the edge. Um, I thought we could be on the edge, but uh, we've surpassed it. Um, 
Yeah, it's pretty much gone. Uh, specifically, the latter part of the the day for us was it's pretty much shot, um, which is unfortunate because it's, in my opinion, uh, some of the best land and certainly one of the best mm. venues in all of golf, specifically in this uh, in this country. It's 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 as good as it gets. Shinnecock Hills is as beautiful, uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately. Uh, they've lost the golf course. What way? What's your biggest concern, your biggest gripe as you're talking to me right now? Well, I, I think this, you know, when it comes to any championship, and I don't want to sound, you know, everybody can critique it and say I'm a, I'm a petty athlete or a petty whatever you want to call it, PGA Tour player. That's not my intent. My intent is strictly to be truthful. And um, when you have a championship that comes down to either luck or a fortuitous bounce um, or just, you know, I guess I would say, sheer sheer luck mm -hmm. that's not that's not right and uh, and we're, we're already there um it's unfortunate it, it to, to to know that our nation's tournament is um is already shot at a venue that they lost uh 14 years ago when you look so there you go yeah pretty uh, damn and pretty honest and pretty damn true yeah no that's exactly it. and i always remember oh jesus good 20 years ago now um and i can't remember which one it was one of the scottish courses where a lot of the Americans really hammered it, saying it was ridiculous. And it was a bit similar to this, I think plus one or plus two on it. And they went to town on how bad it was. And they're not just like that about Britain. I thought it was like, are they trying to, is British Open becoming too popular and trying to bring it down? But in fairness, here, and in fairness, in a few tournaments over the last couple of years in the US Open, they've been critical as well. So they're not being precious. They'll say it about their own one as well. Um, US Open is narrow ferries, high rough, good, honest testing golf if you're not a straight driver you get punished i think that's fair and that's the way it should be but the some of the tour some of the fall-offs on the greens are ridiculous like ridiculous and as zach johnson said that he's dead right sheer luck is probably going to win this tournament unfortunately <laughs> which is sad because I, I i actually don't i'm not enjoying watching it no because like you want to see them mate, tested yeah you want to see them yeah tested but you want to see them tested uh, he has a, a, a he has a, he has a choice of uh, going for the green and two or uh, laying up and putting mm. that kind of test that, those tactical decisions that you have to and make and then applying that. But then when when they hit perfect shots mm -hmm. and get punished for it, yeah. it's just not right. Then. And it's fifty yards behind because yeah. it hits a little gradient and all of a sudden it charges down. There's like you want to see them in tough situations. You want to see them in hard roof where they know I can't stitch this now right beside the green. So I'm going to put it out to the left and give myself a good third shot in and try and save me part. You're like, that's good mm. on his test in golf because a lot of their golf courses and a lot of the tour is very much, it's almost pitch and put at this stage. Mm. You know, you can hit it as hard as you want because the fairways are massively wide or the roof is very thin. There's not much um, trees or obstructions out wide so you can hit a 50 yards left and right and still get your wand of a, a pitching wedge out and stitch it on the green and have a go at a birdie and it's a birdie. and that's most of their golf yeah and so that's why us open is always a great test because you get to see just how good the americans are because most of the time you don't mm. and you get to see them how good they are at the, the british open as well because obviously links golf is a good is a cracking test and the different gradients and the bunkers yeah. and this that and the other so people might be able to say oh it's just because it's a, a real golf course that's why they're struggling it's not it's it this one's bordering silly because they could still pull off the magic shots because they're yeah, that good yeah. there was a shot that summed it up for me which phil mickelson i think it was on it was on thursday or friday and he was on the edge of the green mm. but on the edge of the green was the heavy rough mm -hmm. and it's nearly on top of the green but he was asking the referee is there a rule 
that says I can get relief because I'm not able to see my ball. So he's just off the green yeah. and he's unable to see his ball. Mm. And I just think that it's you can have rough, mm. but what's the point in having a shot where you can't actually physically see the ball? It just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I know what you're saying, but by all accounts, they're one of the widest set of fairways for the reason of the rough is rough and I'm a bit 50-50 in it some of it yeah, is this, a bit ridiculous this was on the edge of the green, the green. Yeah, yeah I'd love to see that because I, now, in I fairness, agree with you he didn't, he didn't see the ball and he stuck it within yeah. six foot even without seeing the ball yeah. but um, yeah it's a funny one but it's great to watch them being tested but in this one it's, it's probably too far because yeah. like, they are being tested but the problem is then the way the greens are and the way they're being set up it's silly stuff they're pulling off great shots getting close and then all of a sudden it hits the hill and comes way back yeah. and it's like watching me and you play yeah. and I don't want to watch that yeah. you know yeah. I want to watch them being in a tough spot and coming out with a clever shot or this is why they are as good as they are yeah. it's, it's kind of like watching a lot of us hacking around the place so just to finish off who do you think uh, who do no, you think there's with? no way I can say it's yeah. just uh, the it's top, luck the top I, I looked at the leaderboard like you've got plus three Daniel Borger and Tony Fina would have been in the first uh, in the morning they shot 66s that means absolutely nothing because Kupka, Johnson and Rose shot 72, 77 and 73 respectively. Like, so it just goes to show you Berger and Finau could easily shoot them types of scores. It, it's just, well, anyway, plus three, I'd probably go back to the top 16 there to probably between, within five shots, any of them 20 players are probably going to win it. Yeah, yeah. And it's so. sad that I can't kind of go... I you can can't guess. predict I it. can guess. Yeah, you can't predict it. But it's a blatant guess. Yeah, okay. You know, one of the big guys you expect to have the, the mental attributes, like your Johnsons, Rose, Stenson, you'd expect one of them. Even Patrick Reed's only three shots off. You never know. Yeah, well, I think Justin Rose has had a, a brilliant year so far yeah. this year and is, I think, is well put capable. If I was to put money on anyone now, I'd go for Justin Rose. Yeah, and I'd probably stick, stick me neck on and say the same. I'd be up for him because there's no point in saying he's definitely going to win it, but it's just a case of... I'm looking forward to but by all accounts the lads were only off the greens and they were already awarding them last night to really try and slow them down because yeah. I think they even know it's gone too far so hopefully it's in a condition where we can see some half decent golf today and uh, listen a good dramatic finish but not because somebody shot par and everyone else just blew up yeah. hopefully yeah. it's because there's a couple of guys playing some good golf Okay, we're for so anyway. we're going to go to a song just before we talk to Colin Barron uh, from European Elite Soccer, uh, just after this song. off and Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. On the 15th of July, European Elite Soccer will host a coach education course, which is a four-hour workshop, which includes both theory and practical elements. Joining us on the show uh, is Academy Director Colin Barron. Colin, welcome to the big kickoff. Thanks, William. No Thanks problem. Listen, uh, Colin, before we, I suppose, get into the, why the course would benefit coaches up and down the country, what is European Elite Soccer and how did it begin? Um, I suppose our academy has been running now for the last three and a half years um, based out of Parnell's there in Coolock. 
Um, I suppose the background of it, uh, myself, I've been involved in schoolboy football in Ireland for the last 12 to 14 years. Um, amongst that time, spent a lot of time studying uh, abroad in the UK, traveling to Spain especially. And I suppose about five years ago, I was introduced to a pro license tutor from the Catalan FA called Albert Binas. He runs his own private academy in Spain. It's an international academy. Um, I was always fascinated, obviously, by Spanish football because it's the pinnacle. It has been the pinnacle, I suppose, over the last 10 years. So I went and studied over there for a number of years. I was over at back probably 10 to 12 times. Looking at the systems they have over there, their methodology, the curriculum they follow and, and what it is they implement. So I was keen, I suppose, to bring that back to Ireland and try to create an alternative methods or training methodology for, for players in Ireland. Um, so we've done that over the last three and a half years. I've had professional coaches live here from Spain. Uh, UEFA Pro License coaches working for us full time at times and implementing our curriculum with players. So um, really, that's the background to yeah. it. Yeah. So what yeah, that's important, you know. We 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 have the FAI coaching courses, we have cover coaching courses, even box soccer coaching courses. So what's what's different about European elites uh, coaching courses? Yes, I suppose our methodology is based around the individual tactics of players. Um from from what I've witnessed uh, in Spain especially. And here, having coached here for a number of years is the fact that our deficiencies I feel is that we don't teach the players about the real game from the earliest age. So some of our practices, a lot of our practices are, are very unopposed. There's a lack of decision-making, there's a lack of uh, real game understanding for young players. And I think we need to challenge them more. Um, so our methodology is based around that. It's based off a of curriculum work. We work off 12 different topics. But within that, we're very focused on um, teaching the individuals about the real game, real game situations, why, how, where, transition, them elements are massively important to us. Okay, so um, give us an example of, uh, of, of, of a session that you, you, you might put together as in, you're saying it's, it's, it's I suppose, realistic to the, to the game, in, in yeah. what way? So we would break our sessions down on four elements. Um, really, we look at the end and work back. So we look at the picture that we want to create for our players or our team on the pitch, which might be five, seven, nine, or eleven a side game, um, and we'll work back from that. So in the very start, we'll break the session right down, working in small groups, groups of six, group of eight players. But that session will be very much related to what we want to create in the match at the end. So it'll be small groups small individual tactics that might be transition to attack which might be our main focus we'll work on that in a small group we'll then build that into a next part which will be a 20 minute exercise which will then be more realistic 12, 14, 16 players more tactical decisions uh, more real game list, game realistic decisions because there's more players more bodies and then we'll go into a third part which will be based around the final third of the pitch overload situations, counter-attack situations, how to exploit overload situations, and I suppose how to defend against them as well. Yeah. And then implement that into a real game at the end. So I suppose, Colin, instead of drill after drill of passing to a guy sitting in, a, in another cone 20 yards away, it's very much more game 
realistic passing drills or whatever drill it may be instead of just this usual take a touch and pass it on to the next guy and run around in a circle it's kind of more on the pitch around people in a game situation and yeah kind of making them learn by themselves on the pitch not just by what you're telling them in a in a absolutely yeah absolutely for us the players ultimately when they go onto the pitch they have to make decisions for themselves and mm. um, there's lots of playstation coaches and playstation <laughs> players out there you know unfortunately that's the way the game has gone and um, for us within our methodology it's very very important that we create what we would say problems for players so the exercises are the problems and the players have to find the solutions to them problems mm. we just facilitate that and guide them along that pathway but ultimately it's them that have to realise and understand oh why am I doing that why should I make this decision in that situation or us asking them why did you make that decision in this situation because that's real that's the real game unfortunately football is never 7v none it's always 7v7 or 11v11 mm. so we don't quite uh, we don't believe in the concept of working on exercises where it's unopposed and how early do you think kids should start doing this right from the get go or maybe yeah. after a year or two of basic kind of skills and technique listen for us obviously uh, kids love football mm. they're passionate about it they love being able practicing themselves and working on things themselves the technical aspects is that important absolutely because to execute a decision they need good technique mm. but we would feel that we need to teach them the individual tactics from the earliest stage mm. and we will try to encourage them to work on their technical things at home because when they come to us, time is so limited now for Irish coaches sure. that are working with players that we have to create scenarios that are really tactically challenging for them. Um, I'm not talking about systems of play, I'm talking about real game problems mm. that they're going to experience when we have them for that limited amount of time. So we introduce players to that from the age of six. Once the players come into the academy, they're straight in and, and they're they're, I suppose, put into that environment. Mm. And kids improve so quickly at them ages. I think we underestimate them as coaches, and maybe as coaches we're a little bit afraid um, and we're in our own comfort zone because it's easier to develop practices that are unopposed and, and less challenging for players. Yeah, I had this discussion yesterday. I was uh, talking to uh, Martin Russell, the Bray manager, and we were looking at an under-10 match. Yeah. And... Uh, it's interesting because you're you're talking about uh, bringing training sessions in from six up, mm -hmm. upwards and having those match situations uh, where, where his idea would be I might have this as well is, is just let them go out and play and find out uh, how to discover themselves the situations and learn themselves the, mm -hmm. uh, how to develop their own game by making the mistakes. So, uh, uh, should it be more technical based at that age, or uh, do you feel that you need to correct their mistakes early on without them learning themselves? I think they have to be guided. To be honest, yeah. mm. you know, it, it, I don't think it can be an extreme of one or the other. Um, like I said. It's understanding the decision-making process, which is massively important for us with the players. So, of course, a, play a player can make a mistake and a coach will jump down their neck about mm. the pass or the execution of the pass or mm. you've given the ball away. The most important thing for us is, well, the decision was the decision good to play the pass. Yeah. Yes, it was. 
was the execution perfect because he's seven years of age? <laughs> Absolutely not. But we can work on the execution. The decision is something that needs to be taught to the players from an earlier age. So the body shape, why are you there? Why is your body open? Why have you taken that decision to take the ball there or to dribble in that situation? Yeah. And if they can understand that and figure that out, then I think you get more intelligent players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what we strive to, towards doing. Yeah. So you spent you spent a good bit of time out in Spain. Uh, there's a big debate here, I suppose, I, I suppose, and in the UK about the lack of technically gifted players coming through. So mm-hmm. wh- why do you think we don't produce those players? I would always argue that we have technically gifted players. Yeah. Um, we absolutely do. I see some of the kids in our academy and not just in our academy around football in Ireland and Dublin at 11, 10, 11, 12 years of age are technically just as proficient as players from around the world. There's no issue there. For me, it comes back to, and these are my beliefs from what I've seen, is that 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 tactical understanding, there's there's a lack of being able to do them technical things under severe amount of pressure um, at a speed and a tempo that we just don't, we can't recreate in this country at the moment. I think that we can't recreate it because we don't have enough high-quality players that play in high-quality environments all of the time. So, therefore, when you look at Spain and you look at the pool of players that they have and the level of players they have, well, naturally, if them players are playing against each other all of the time, they're going to improve quicker because the level of intensity is quicker and the decisions they have to make is quicker. So I think we bring them to a certain stage and then it drops off. And that's... Listen... Because you could be here all night talking yeah. about um, the different things from regards to coach education and, and the level in the industry and the lack of the industry in this country for football. Well, unfortunately for me, it always comes back to if you want to have the best students, you've got to have the best teachers. Yeah. And unfortunately, in this country, I don't think our educational platform is good enough for us to have the best coaches. Or, like the players, a lot of our best coaches, unfortunately, are leaving the country to go to England yeah. to coach over there. And I suppose in relation to the technically gifted players in Ireland, and as you said, we do have enough, is there a bit of a stereotype in, say, England that we don't have that type of player? And even English and British players, uh, we, we'll go and get the continent, we go and get the Spaniard instead, because Irish lads are literally good, honest defenders, are good goalkeepers, and they're kind of ignored, i.e., and I hate saying it because we always bring up, but your Wes Hoolan style players, they don't really hit the top because, oh, he's Irish, no, no, he, he won't be as gifted as, say, the Spanish player would be. Yeah, maybe there is a stigma attached to that at yeah. this stage, unfortunately, um, because we probably haven't produced mm. players like Wes since, you know, Damien Duff and Robbie yeah. Dean came through, you know, they were probably the last group of them types of players, mm. but again, I just, I feel that it's an easy thing to hide behind sometimes, you know, mm. um, but I really feel that it is a lack of game intelligence and game understanding Listen, I've, I've spoke to a lot of coaches in the UK and I would have been close to the academy manager, manager in West Brom for a time. And, yeah. and he has always have said that one of the biggest problems they have with Irish players is they write the first year off. And it's not because of uh, technical ability. It's a mixture of them obviously settling in. But they feel that they have to almost reteach them the tactical side of the game. That it takes them a year to catch up on just the tactical understanding of what it is that they have to do and the speed that they have to make decisions at. So, 
Yeah, and is that something that obviously you're trying to rectify with yourselves in the fact Absolutely. that is there too many FAI-led coaches at school by level doing the same thing and singing off the same hymn sheet? There's not enough diversity in our coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, giving it the nail on the head, you know. We have to, listen, I'm not here, you know, the FAI yeah. have, have their job to do and, and they do it the best that they can. And they have started to change. I've seen it. They've started to change the the way that coaches can now coach in the FAI courses. Mm-hmm. So before it was very structured, very, you you must do it this way. It was, mm-hmm. you know, stop, stand still, I suppose. I hate saying that, but that was it. And I was infamous saying stop, stand still. It was very much, you need to coach our way or else, you know, yeah. that's not the way. But they've started to come around to decision-making, communication, coaching in the flow. But unfortunately for me, that was done 15 years ago abroad. Yeah. We're still behind. That's the reality of it. So, so Colm, with, with just that, and, and you've been over in Spain for a, a while looking there, uh, were you looking at how teams were being coached and, uh, I suppose, attended to at a local level as, as well as a, an elite level? Yeah, very and, much so. And how, how, do, how does that differ to our local uh, teams? The biggest thing for me was that the structure from top to bottom, uh, top to bottom was, was followed. As in, you could see there was a clear philosophy and playing style from the teams at older levels. So if you were watching an under-16 team, they would train and play the same way as the under-6 and the under-8s would. Um, I inquired about that with some clubs like Nastic and Paragona and Reos in the Catalan region, and, and they very much talked about the meetings that they have together as a coaching staff, even though they're not a, these coaches aren't full-time or anywhere near full-time they they might be paid expenses per month but they're not you know they're not professional coaches yeah. uh, so to speak but they certainly would talk about the club's philosophy the club's idea and that all of them coaches were pulling together to work to an end vision with regards to the flyers yeah whereas i think that very much in schoolboy football in ireland it's you know, the under-12s manager and coach does what he wants to do and the under-14s. They kind of want to be the star as well, I suppose, in some, yeah. in some clubs, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a, I suppose, a problem within, within the system as well. So well how, how on earth are you going to teach everyone in four hours? What the hell are you going to cram in? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I suppose, this, I suppose, brings me on to what we've developed in the background for a number of years. So for the last four or five years, we've been, been developing our own online coach education system as well. Mm-hmm. So from delivering coach ed around Ireland and in the US and England for a while, um, I felt that one of the biggest problems when you do a coach education course is that there's very, there's very rarely a follow-up. There's very mm-hmm. rarely something that I can go back to and, and really consistently try to follow through on that methodology um, so you're kind of left alone once you walk out the door and, and that's it uh, within two weeks you forget about kind of what it is that you've taught or whatever what it is you've learned and what it is you should be trying to teach so we've developed an online platform coaches platform where they'll be able to go online look at the sessions that we do follow the curriculum that mm-hmm. we follow um, our academy on a Friday night is an open door policy we don't hide behind anything that we do. Coaches are always welcome to come and, and see what it is that we're doing. But we hope we've matched um, that physical, I suppose, coach education course. And then the coach being able to go away 
and actually apply it and follow it through and have a support system, I suppose, through the online coach education system. Are you going to have uh, different levels of, of, of coaching or, or what, what way are you going to progress uh, your coaching situation? for? So I suppose what we will do within the website, our plans within the next year would be that we would have a lot of webinars online. So um, we will always do physical coach education because I think that that's massively important given the coaches the opportunity there and then to ask questions and fully understand. Well, what we would hope is that our website will also have an online platform that will be able to host webinars and for coaches to get in touch with us and ask questions. Um, so it's like a learning tool, a learning aid that's constantly there. Right, right. Um, just, I just want to go back slightly on, on, on what way, again, with Spain. With parents, what, what way do parents approach football in, in Spain uh, compared to here? Um, listen, it's similar. Parents are parents everywhere, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, they're still as enthusiastic, I would say, nicely, <laughs> on the sidelines in every country. Well, I would say the difference, I would imagine, over there from what I've seen, was, was it, the culture is very different. Um, families travel to watch training sessions together, and on the side of the pitch, they'll have a coffee and you know mm. have a chat and sit down and socialize while the kid is training yeah um that's very very different what i didn't see much of was um i've spoke to some coaches over there they do have it but probably not as much as parents as well as approaching the coaches mm. um after games or within training sessions they they seem to be just a little bit more educated with regards to what it is the kids are trying to do and there's almost in Spain maybe doesn't have the amount of sport and challenges that we have with regards yeah. to GAA and, and everything else. Mm. Um, so football is very much their number one. Um, but there's almost a GAA mentality about they're very proud to play for their local clubs. Mm. Uh, their aspirations aren't necessarily, although they love to play for Barcelona or Real Madrid, they're, they're very much attached to clubs in, that are local and yeah. they're even in Division 2. Division three, you know, their their dream as a young player, if you're in Reus, is of course to play for Barcelona. But the very, very happy second is to play for Reus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we have that in this country at the moment. No. If you had one thing that you could change, maybe straight away in Ireland in, in the footballing world, what would it be? Um, I would definitely improve the improve the coach education system. Okay. I think it needs to be more accessible for coaches. Mm. Um, I think that it's very costly in this country to do badges. Um, I know coaches that, one of the coaches that was working here full-time flew back to Spain to do his pro license over a six-week period. And the cost for him to do it from the start to finish was €2,000. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, it has to be more accessible. I think if we're really serious about um, developing players and want to develop players well then surely the education system should be more accessible for coaches yeah yeah yeah. Well, I, I think that's it the, the, the more, the more qualified coach pardon it's a boys club here the, the, yeah. the, the pro licence I think yeah so basically the more coaches qualified coaches that are educated in as you said 
it's not necessarily it has to be in, in one way but in, in, in every way and in, in all different types of it's a, it's, it's a bit like in school where they say you should teach them about all religions maybe they should teach them all a bit differently you've got your FAIs your covers you've got yourselves the European elite dip into them all and, and, and make the best coach of yourself yeah absolutely listen the biggest thing for me is that sometimes we overcomplicate the game yeah you know football is football and one of the big things that I learned in Spain um, was that they keep it very simplistic. It's 7v7 with offside from under six. Mm. And it was one of the first questions that I asked when I was over there. You know, how come you don't play 5v5 or how come you don't play 4v4 and then, you know, develop through? And they said, well, we feel that the players at six and seven are capable of playing 7v7 and it's closer to the real game, so that's what we teach them. Okay. Right. Well, no shock there. No, well, you see, we've we've heard. In fairness, now with with the Irish education coaching system, they've gone, they've started to dip in and try to do things like I suppose like Holland, because yeah. that's that's who's who's running the, the FAI route doctors there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not it's not always as simple as that to just mm-hmm. take a, a, something from another country and maybe a, apply it to your the country. Cause, yeah, because there's, as you said, there's different cultures and, and we, Absolutely. we need to have our own sort of identity. Mm-hmm. identity. Yeah, that's it. Listen, your course is on when? Sunday the 15th. And if if they're looking to apply, how do they do it? Yeah, they can either apply through our website um EESAcademyIRE.com or else they can go online you'll see it through all our social media Facebook and uh, we're selling all our tickets mainly through Eventbrite okay. they'll be able to log on through Facebook Twitter and they can uh, register that way and uh, cost? 20 euro can't go wrong there can you? Do you get any free swag or anything? Any free gear now? Any free gear? broke Listen, Colin, thanks very much for that. Uh, we, uh, no doubt we'll have you on again to talk about it and, and see how the course ran. And, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a few coaching debates that will be up and we'll get you back on again. Absolutely. Listen, thanks very much, Colin. Talk Gentlemen, to you. Cheers. cheers. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. Yeah. Ready? Let's go. Can I get an encore? Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need y'all to roll. Yeah. Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one last time, nigga, make some noise. Get him, Jay. A memory that comes to me that's got nothing to do with playing is when we was in the sauna, I was in the sauna with Gaza once and he went out to get some water but came back and throw and threw piss on the on the coals <laughs> and closed the door. That smells lovely that, doesn't it? Yeah, that's not ideal. That's not a good memory. You don't memory. want that smell. No. Never want that to happen to you. <laughs> Thought I'd just share that with you. That's a memory. That's a memory that comes back from I've me. I've got another one to Gaza. What is it? So me and Gaza used to go fishing. Yeah. Um, in your 96. And Terry would always say, David, take him fishing, he's getting hyper. Yeah. So we'd offered to go into the um, into my car and we went, we went fishing. And there was Ian Walker came with us. And we're um, we're on this little boat in the middle of this lake and we're fishing away. And there's this guy on the bank and he was he got all the gear on and he was casting the good line, we were fly fishing. And I oh look at him guys, he looks like a good fisherman. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, carried on fishing. All of a sudden we looked for the guy again and he'd gone missing. And we were like, where is he? All of a sudden he popped up from behind the reeds with this massive lens like this taking, taking photos of us, yeah. 
So the guy's like, come on, row in, row in. So he starts rowing in and he shouts, I want that film, I want that film. So this, by now, the guy's like getting all his gear together. Yeah. He's legging it towards the car park. So I phoned the fishery owner. Yeah, I went, lock that gate. <laughs> <laughs> I said, lock it, because there's a guy in here and we've got to get the film off him. Anyway, he gets on the, on the bank and Gazza runs up to the guy's car who's now waiting at this gate because yeah. the gate's locked. And Gazza's like, I want, I want that film, I want that film. And the guy's went, no chance, no chance. So Gazza reached into his car, nicked his mobile phone and said, right, you can, have your, you can have your phone back when I get the film. And the guy was like, no chance, no chance. So he put his window up and he wouldn't speak to us. So, so Gazza then starts letting his tyre down. <laughs> <laughs> he starts letting his tyre down. The guy realises yeah, now, yeah. panics like mad, floors it, goes straight through, through the, the gate, gate. smashed the gate to bits, bombs down the road. Gazza's got this phone. I went, Gazza, press redial on that. He press redial, it went straight through to Piers Morgan at the Daily Mirror. Yeah. And Gazza was giving him Give so it, many, yeah. you print them photos, blah, blah, blah. Did they print them? It was just before the Spain game, the morning of the Spain game, on the front of the Daily Mirror, Gazza's Armada, Abel Seaman and Walker the Plank. <laughs> That's where that came from. <laughs> Here's Morgan, all-round nice guy, huh? Ah, yeah, he's just... We were only talking about that driving in this morning about the, the British press. All they were doing was going for a bit of fishing, so what were they going to get out of that? Yeah, I don't know. They were just probably waiting for that one moment of... Stupidity, funny, maybe, no, or a funny stupidity, bit. But just as long as he pulls a weird face, they can make a story. Yeah, and yeah. that's what they did back then. And he never has any uh, remorse for any of any of them stories, pretty much. And even that guy from the Sun, where it's obvious now what they did back at Hillsborough, and he never came out. And, yeah, but he always stands by. I did what I did. Yeah. That's it. Get over it. And, and you said it yourself this morning when we were talking on the way in about the English press. They're nearly already trying to Keep drumming up the race thing yeah. at the moment. And it's like, are you trying to make the lads on edge? Oh, your family aren't here. It's almost like they're trying to. Oh, your family here. You must be lonely and almost bring them down a little bit. Yeah. It's like leave it alone how are you feeling are we fit and ready to go come on England three lines and all that malarkey you know real Britannia give it a bit of that like Yeah. They, they, if they play poorly nearly, then have a go they nearly want their team to lose so they can get that yeah. three four pages yeah. in the back And Southgate's too boring we need to get a character in quick yeah. let's get rid of him he's handled this too well yeah. what, what can we do yeah. to destroy we, this yeah. and that, that's the impression and there you go Like Pierce Morgan was, was the last call and simple fishing but they, they would have got a funny angle of a, of a shot and, oh here's Gaz acting the manga because this would have been only a week or two after was it Thailand remember the famous dentist yeah, chair yeah, yeah. so they're obviously following waiting for something and just make it up yeah. hilarious I mean you never had a, a shot of Jack Charlton now fishing you know so exactly. it's, it's different diff- different mentality here than it is over like there that's what know? I was trying to suggest potentially have they always been a bit frosty and this is their way of getting back at them are the FA a bit ignorant to the media do they be as open with them is it and this is their way of going well screw them they don't give us the time of day so we're just going to keep popping it I don't know but I'm not saying they're creating something with the racing but it just seems to be the only thing they're talking about at the moment or the only thing you're reading about Fabian Dell's family's not coming Danny Rose's family's not coming this fa- and it's like lads relax let them at it don't yeah. be poking the fact that mum and dad aren't going to be there in the stands which is what most players would love to see you know look I've made it I've hit the pinnacle of football and he can't share it hold on a second kick, 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 kick. yeah when all else fails bring it back <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah it's one of them funny ones so yeah we'll see what happens tomorrow when they play uh, Tunisia yes and my team Belgium they're in the sw- oh, I haven't the sw- you haven't the sw- against yeah. Panama so no one else matters anymore well I had put a, a, a double on 
Isco and Spain he hasn't produced Ooh. but uh, still, there's two I've named Aaron Brazil double I have him as well yeah, just they're the two that I put on yeah I even did a Griezmann France one so mm, did you yeah mm-hmm. just because I always kind of half tipped France I said no just in case now we forgot to do this last week oh. and I said we better put it up Leona Maguire made an impressive pro debut yeah, her in, sister. in New Jersey yeah but so, so her, sis- her sister didn't fare out as, no. as good uh, Leon McGuire wrapped up her pro debut with another solid 69 in New Jersey to sign off on 8 under par the 23 year old began the day 4 shots off the lead uh, after following up her 69 and 67 she finished tied 15th 8 shots and that's not bad uh, I think Lisa didn't make the cut. She had a round of 84 and 82. But again, I think the two of them have signed up to... Well, the top management companies. Niall Horans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... I, I think mean, Justin Rose is kind of a consultant in that as well. Like, oh, is he? Yeah, I think they, he, he, it's not just Niall's fancy name. And it, like, he's got proper, proper golf guys in it. And he's just one of the guys. Right. Right. You know, so, so anyhow, so we'd be, be keeping it's good that we we thought that they'd make that progression yeah. onto the pro. Kevin, aren't they? I think yeah, Kevin. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll keep an eye out for them and, best, and best of luck for them. Yeah, no, absolutely, because it's a massive game and uh, obviously they're, they're, they have a tight. Um, a quick uh, Love Island's on at the moment. You can't get away from it. It's I, like the you can. Book. I don't turn the telly no, on. No, it's on because you can't help uh, it. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're, but uh, remember, I was going on with Chris and Olivia get together and all last year. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris made his uh, jockey debut at York yesterday. It was for the Macmillan Cancer Trust. Oh, so right. Where credit's due. His horse is oh, the favourite. It's a celebrity thing, was it? Um, kind of. They all, I think it's something similar to a member of Victoria Pendleton did a race. Originally, it was for charity, and then she's tried to give it a go. On the professional stage, I think Chris Hughes is something similar now. Okay, he's talked to it quite well. He's been training with John Joe O'Neill for many a month. It's not a case of like they. It's quite strict to let them do it because obviously the safety aspect. So it's not a case of throwing out on a horse for a week or two and yeah, like let's see, like it's some serious stuff. Um, he was the favourite. His heart, well, maybe mostly, maybe it was his horse, but uh, yeah, he finished fifth. But he loved it. Had a great buzz. So that's my way of slipping, <laughs> slipping. Anything to get Love Island. <laughs> I wouldn't mind we, it's the, Dr Alex this year poor old Dr we Alex we were playing lads are talking about Love Island oh it's alright I have it on record what oh, mm. will, will Dr Alex find love this year poor old the problem is he's too <laughs> nice a guy they, they, they like the bad boys uh, poor, I really hope Dr Alex finds love kick 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 kick, kick. kick. <laughs> uh, Tyson Fury and Tony Bellew oh yeah it, it looks like the boxing game is it looks nuts. like they're trying to drum this one up yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not going to say too much in it. It's if if Fury gets a little bit fitter and a little bit sharper, I genuinely don't think Bellew has much hope here. But at the same time, I can easily be proven wrong. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be a joke shop fight because Bellew is a clever boxer. He'll find a way of looking good, even if he doesn't quite win. And you never know; he could easily find a way. Um, and let's have a listen and see what he thinks. Oh, one hundred percent. I just don't believe he could beat me mm. whatsoever. You know, he doesn't. The only thing he has over me on it is size and reach. Yes. And I can combat them things. I'm quicker than him. I hit harder than him. I've got faster feet than him. Uh, he, he, listen, for, for, people have got to remember this. For a heavyweight, Tyson Fury is very fast. Tyson Fury has got good feet for a heavyweight. I'm not a heavyweight. I'm a cruiserweight. Yeah. And I pose, I, I'm, I'm much faster. I pose a lot more. But you're a cruiserweight who can bang big. Yes, yes, mate. And, you know, I hit much harder than Steve Cunningham. Steve Cunningham put, and let's get this right, a prime in-shape Tyson Fury flat on his back. Tony, how close are you to fighting him next? 
I'll do it, mate. I really would. I do. Yeah. You know, the balls in his court. They want to. They want to make the fight happen. Then you know, we can speak. He speaks to an Eddie or his management team or whatever it is. Then we can make it happen. I'm happy to do it. I think it'd fill a football stadium. Mm. And I, I think the press conference alone may would get millions upon uh-huh. millions of views. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a big fight, big yeah. money fight. And as he, like, that's what Tony Bellew wants. Oh, in fairness, that, you know, he's a, that's he the, doesn't hide from it now. The very yeah. first fight, he thanked Hay for setting him up for life, and he managed to get the second fight. He knows he's on borrowed time, as he said. His real boss, the misses at home, wants him done now at this stage. This could be the one where I promise you, I swear, this is massive. With it, this is it. My last few million, I'm done. Then I promise. Because he wouldn't want to get, he wouldn't be getting in the ring with Joshua or no. Wilder. That's and, just what. And it's one of them fights where realistically, you have to give him some kind of a chance because yeah. with Fury, you just don't know what type of Fury's going to come out. So he's thinking, geez, big payday, big business. Yeah, please, love. Let me this last one, please. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's every chance it could happen. Um, and on another note, Tyson, Mike Tyson. I know you said Tyson. Mike Tyson was inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame on Saturday night. Was he? And Don King was there. And as he was walking past him in between one or two of the chats, he just put his hand on the shoulder and just out of instinct, Tyson just turned around, and threw water at him. Um, Did he? So the bad blood is still there. Um, he basically sucked so much yeah, money yeah. out of him it was unbelievable and Tyson eventually found out unfortunately after Cus died Cus Tomato who was like his father figure mm. slash manager slash trainer everything um, the vultures came in and unfortunately sucked every last bit of blood out of him and of course Don King is one of the is the king of it yeah. um, and he and he settled out a, a lawsuit would have a massive lawsuit but yeah he just said it was just instinct um, I don't like the guy even after all this time I still don't like the guy and uh, yeah he, he, he gave him a volley of water you can, yeah you can, see, you can see that Tyson Mike Tyson just wouldn't play take any I don't think he's the type after a few years we'll no. be friends now it's no, like, I no think you screwed me over that's it and it'll always be there but yeah it was interesting it was a funny little clip because people were going Jesus I would have thought it'd be all water under the bridge now pardon the pun but nah yeah. Tyson still holds the crutch but I don't blame him um, but that's the they were the sharks that were in the game and unfortunately there's probably still some in it yep. um, right we're gonna we're gonna hit a break and we'll be back straight after this you're listening to Liffy Sound www.liffysoundfm.ie listen online community radio at its best and welcome back to the big kickoff oh, Father's Day it is seemingly yes it's Father's Day yes uh, what will you be doing uh, sponsored walk for the school oh yeah, I was asked kindly with the puppy dog eyes by Niamh, will you come and do the sponsored walk with us? I was like, yeah, okay. So far it's sponsored walk? Uh, it's from Community Centre back to St. Thomas's. Ah, right. Sorry. So it's not too bad, uh, but convenient it's at two o'clock or half two, so I'm not going to get into it, but I can imagine what sex was predominantly uh, 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 yeah, uh, dominant yeah. in that uh, So that you will council. be missing Costa Rica, Serbia? Yeah. So that's okay. at one o'clock. I'll miss a bit of it. Look, it is what it is. It's it's listen, it's it's not necessarily just about us. It's about fun with the family. It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not about fathers and the yeah. father's day. I sure every day is father's day. <laughs> listen, the games today, um how do you see them going? Uh Costa Rica, Serbia. Costa Rica are one of them teams where if they do what they do in most World Cups, Serbia won't have it too easy. Um so that's a tough one, so draw. <laughs> uh, Germany, Mexico Mexico are one of them teams they're a great little team they give it everything they, they're, and they're decent players and their league is quite strong over there they have a lot of South Americans over there a lot of decent internationals and of course Ravel Morrison yes. you know him <laughs> so he's out there so it's one of them teams where you think I, don't know, I, the only, I only know Chicharito and he must be that great but some of the players are probably just as good as him that stay at home yeah. so you still expect Germany to do the job but they won't have it all their own way no matter what when you look at Germany, 
they always get into a semi-final. Sure, they could easily hammer them 6 nothing today. They're that type of side. They're just that sort of team. But again, I'm talking to different people about who did you back on, who do you think is going to win it? And no one is saying Germany, again. Even though you know they're going to get probably to a minimum of semi. Just because they don't have the, the star player. Or, yeah. yeah. But they have a star Crazy. team. And this is the whole point about the likes of Iceland and stuff like that. Iceland are better than most of the superstar teams because they've won to 11 who do, 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 do the right the team job, compared yeah. to... Like Portugal and Argentina struggle because they just do everything for one player. Mm. They should be a lot better than what they are if they all did their job. It's it's ironic that Iceland with 300,000 people and all the usual stats are as good as they are. It's, it's impressive. And uh, then, of course, we have Brazil. the Samba boys at 7 o'clock uh, finishing up the day against Switzerland. Switzerland, solid side. Incredible record the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. It depends on Brazil. If Brazil come out with a bit of a cutthroat attitude and really go at it. They should do the job. But if they're a bit lax, bit kind of feeling themselves into the tournament, you know, Arnautovic. No, not Arnautovic. He's Austria. But Shakiri and the boys, they're they're a solid outfit. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're durable. Yes, would be a good nothing special. But yeah. you know, but again, you look at Brazil. The reason why Brazil are favourites for this tournament is because they've won that group for the first time yeah, in a long easy. time and quite easy yeah, as you yeah. said with Argentina f- finishing in I think fifth or sixth or and they seem a little fifth. bit more gelled like you've seen Coutinho getting egged and flowered uh, the other day for yes, his party sitting yeah. there in a little huddle and you could just see what's neighbour up to picking up loads of eggs and all of a sudden egged Coutinho and then the bag of flour came straight yeah, in yeah. <laughs> and I think it was one of the other guys as well and they got him so there's a bit of a uh, harmony there and I think last year or last World Cup where they got mauled 7-1 I think that's actually yeah. brought them together more Hold because it was an embarrassment yeah. and they want 100%. to rectify that don't yeah, they yeah because that was a crazy day and of course Neymar will really want to be instead of it just being Messi Ronaldo he'd love his name to be in that trio as well um, which is obviously what we want so you know when you look at that side especially attack wise you've got Jesus and Firmino as the, probably the centre forwards you've Neymar you've Coutinho like it's it's impressive yeah. and then the rest of them are all superstars they're Paulinho, all well known Fernandinho yeah, Marcelo decent you know. goalkeepers as well yeah. so it's it'll be interesting to see just how good they are because obviously I, I know most of the results I wouldn't have seen a lot of the performances in the qualifiers but by all accounts they're a solid side I've seen a little bit of the game in Anfield against Croatia and of course Neymar looks solid he's yeah. got a great goal and so it should be fun the only thing I'd say is is Neymar at 100% will he get through the whole tournament that's probably yeah because I've seen again uh, the, in the betting the double you said mm. you did Neymar and Brazil mm. and they put it out to 25 to 1 mm. and normally when the bookies are doing that it's to trying, to introb, trying to entice people in that they, with a deal that they don't actually think might happen mm. So, because he did, he went down in that game and seemingly mm-hmm. has a bandaged up his foot, bandaged up as well. Plus so he missed a lot of the second half of the season. So, is that injury? Is he rushed back? Is the injury still hanging through? Like, has it fully healed? So, yeah, watch the space. Plus, he's going to get plenty of attention anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that knee in the back in the in the in, in the World Cup? Jesus, fair play to him for coming back. Yeah. Did, yeah. Or was he gone altogether? Did he come back for the Spanish? Uh, no, German I think he was, I think he was gone was, altogether. Was he gone? Oh, he was gone altogether. Yeah. yeah. His knee right in the middle of the back. So he's a point to prove if he wants to prove that he yeah. is one of the top players because yeah. it's always Messi, Ronaldo isn't exactly. it? Exactly, so. he wants to be in that trio or he wants it to become a trio so it'll be interesting to see how it goes so yeah, I'm looking forward to Brazil So uh, a lot, a big and day England tomorrow as well we Oh, England tomorrow, tomorrow. yeah so now, That's the evening game I actually think we're talking about Germany and you're talking about Iceland I think England 
if they if they gel together as the yeah. team that they could possibly be, they've no big names. Bar Harry Kane, but you don't even see him standing out as a big well, he's name. He's a decent team player. He's, he's not one of these. He wants. Yeah, 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 and he's not he's not taking all the attention mm. and all that. So they they could. Now I think again, England are slightly robotic in their in their mm. ways. They don't have anyone who's kind of standing out. It could out, be a bit of a surprise act in this in the movie that is World Cup twenty eighteen. Yeah, if you know what I mean, they could yeah. be that kind of surprise. Uh, not finale but they could be a little bit of a further up the, the ladder of uh, yeah. star quality because you never know Southgate is nice and relaxing with the guys and the, there's no kind of they just seem to be getting on and there's a bit of video I don't know I kind of fancy them to do okay but we'll wait and see so and then just to finish off because I have to because I watched the end of Claire and Tipperary well I watched the whole game of Claire and Tipperary last week but you have 30 seconds it was like 5 minutes of extra time and I think there were still about 6 or 7 scores and it was just incredible Claire did enough to hang on uh, to their coattails and then their little bit of sharpness because they had an extra week's rest probably they were able to finish it that bit stronger and they got a cracking win and Limerick are certainly one of the up and coming counties in Munster as well so they're up against each other today and I'm, I'm, I'm always saying it there's no better game as much as the World Cup was brilliant there is no better game when Hurland's in full flow and that could be a cracker today if you can fit it in as well so some Hurland yeah. some football some <laughs> some kicky kicky kick kick on today Enjoy your day and we will talk to Enjoy you. Enjoy fathers. <laughs> talk to you next week. Bye. Homegrown alligator, see you later. Gotta hit the road. Gotta hit the road. The sun ain't changing the atmosphere. Architecture, I'm familiar. I could get used to this. Time flies by in the yellow. Stick around and you'll see what I mean